It's time for the Stock Car Show on the Performance Motorsports Network, powered by the staff at Race Chaser Online. Your motorsports, your way, every day. And now, here's your host, Tom Baker. Hello, everyone, and welcome to what promises to be a very lively stock car show here on the Performance Motorsports Network and Spreaker tonight as we also broadcast live, of course, on the Race Chase Media Facebook Live page. All of this courtesy of HMS Motorsport, the leaders in motorsports safety. And also, uh, we are going to talk about a new sponsor addition to the show here who joined us last week. We'll talk about... Uh, Tillman Direct tonight as well. My name is Tom Baker. I am joined by Jacob Seelman from Speed Sport Magazine at the table here inside the Race City USA Race Chaser Studios. We've got Randy Miller over in the tech shed. Hello. Handling all of the production skills capably. And you can see him on the Randy cam. And we've also got, uh, yeah, just uh, light up that tech Yeah, shed. Yeah, you can see Randy on the Randy cam after Randy turns the lights on. Yeah, God said let there my be light in the tech shed. My lights haven't been on for quite some time, so. Yeah, uh, well, I tend to spend about half my life with my lights out, but that's a whole other story. Mm, and we, we've got Cisco Scaramuza who's handling all of the video production work and joining us via the Race Chaser Skype line and okay, guys, we're going to have Haley Deegan join us later on via the telephone. She is the first driver, first woman driver, female driver to win a NASCAR K&M Pro Series West race. She got the job done uh, over the weekend and man, just unbelievable uh, Meridian. Mm -hmm. I think it was. Yes, Meridian, Idaho. Idaho. Quarter mile. Quarter mile and uh, Haley getting it done. And we're also going to talk to this should be fun. We're going to talk to Langley Austin from race22.com. We're going to talk to Langley about Martinsville. So uh, (laughs) that'll be coming up. You (laughs) won't want to miss that. Um, A couple of us here were at Charlotte Motor Speedway yesterday. Jacob spent a week there over the weekend. Um, and I, uh, I had a wedding to perform yes, on Saturday, so you I did. was not there, but we'll start where we should, which uh-huh. was with the cup race. Yes. And before we actually talk about racing, uh-oh, might I remind the audience that a few months ago, repeatedly, this guy right here said repeatedly, that the Roval was not going to be a good race. You had no faith, sir. No faith. Zero. None. You have a steaming plate of crow to eat, sir, because that race was fantastic. Go to my Facebook. I ate it yesterday. It tasted an awful lot like chocolate cake. (laughs) That was chocolate cake. I I wanted investigation in this. That was cake. (laughs) I I was absolutely wrong, and I said for months that I hope I have to eat crow, and I will be happy to eat crow, and now I'm eating crow. I was wrong. It was a great race. That being said, it was a great race, I think, not so much because the Roval's a perfect track to run a race on. It's not, and not because it wasn't a disaster earlier on in the weekend. It was. Yeah. They tore up a lot of race cars. They were still making adjustments to this course 
right up until Saturday when the Xfinity series went out. And this was my concern was that we, we were going to have no idea what these, these cars were going to actually do when you got a couple dozen or three dozen of them out there on the track at the same time and threw a green flag. And where I am happy that I was wrong is that when they threw the green, the drivers all respected each other enough for the most part to, you know, not be uh, knocking each other into fences and all of that. But on the occasions, obviously, when, you know, things did happen, there's really in a lot of parts of the course, there's just no way to avoid hitting a fence because there just isn't enough runoff. Room. Right. That being said, um, racing was great. And there yesterday's was couple, finish was yeah. just nuts. You can't, you couldn't have scripted that Charlotte Motor Speedway. This was the equivalent to one hot night back in 1992 when nobody said they could light Charlotte mm -hmm. Motor Speedway and Humpy Wheeler found out a way to do it. Um, and it was a great first all-star race and we're still waiting for the next one hot night because there haven't been a one that's compared to it since. But um, this race was just Hollywood times 10. Spectacular. It Actually, was. no. I will use the two words that I used to describe it with uh, a certain Steve Phelps that I happened to not literally run into but cross paths with during the uh, course of the day on Sunday before the start of the or, uh, before the start of the race. What I hoped would happen, I said instant classic. That's what NASCAR needs. Well, you know what? That's exactly what NASCAR oh, yeah. got. Exactly. This will make the highlight reels for the next five years, no at doubt. least. No doubt. And the fact of the matter is, and Cisco, I believe, will back me up on this point. Regardless of the fact that Jimmy Johnson wrecked, didn't win, and didn't advance, I have a sense of optimism for the 48 team after Sunday. How, you ask, and why, you ask? Because for once, I saw Jimmy Johnson with a fire under his butt. And to me, Cisco, that's something we haven't seen a whole lot of. That's a good thing. He went after it. He got after it. He got aggressive. He used teeth. And if not for a little break bias that he misjudged, which he admitted on Twitter earlier today, he probably has a shot and maybe wins that race. Yeah, I, I got to agree, Jacob. I mean, we, you and I talked a little bit uh, this morning about it, but... It's so it's a very different uh, it's a very different atmosphere in that camp right now. And uh, I think Dave Burns also talked a little bit about it on the broadcast. The fact that when he had talked to Jimmy over the weekend, he was happy and, you know, excited to be back behind the wheel of a race car. And lest we forget the fact that this season we haven't seen a whole lot of that from him. I mean, you, you look at the standings, you look at where he's run. There's not really been a whole lot to be happy about in that 48 nope. camp. They haven't won a race. You know, we had the whole thing with Lowe's come out that they're going to be walking away at the end of the season. You know, endless talk about Jimmy. Oh, when's it going to be the year when he retires? Of course, with the Gregson news that came out, all of a sudden everybody going, oh, that's going to be who's driving the 48 car. Jimmy just 
went out there and proved, hey, I, I, I'm not gone yet, guys. I can go out there and I can have some fun. And I think not only did he prove it to us that he could, I think he proved it to himself. Yeah, I would agree with that, though I don't think he needed proof. Um, I just think the cars haven't been good. I mean, you know, unquestionably, the 48 team has been, in terms of car performance, has been the worst for much of the year um, of the Hendrick camp. I, I mean, I exclude William Byron only because, you know, Williams had tracks he hadn't been on before and he's kind of getting used to cup. But, you know, lately you started to see the performance, if not the results, start to tick up for the 48 and start to get a little better. And, you know, that's why I picked him to win this race because I just felt like it was such a wild card and Jimmy is actually the type of driver that has the knowledge and the experience to quickly adapt and find ways in these situations. But, of course, he needed a bunch of help from guys crashing in front of him to be in that position. But he, you know, I mean, look. He, that was largely on strategy, though, too. It, it was, yes. Um, but, you know, but I don't know if, if you, get, you got Keselowski and all the other guys. I'm not sure jimmy still runs for the win at that point but nonetheless he was he was there and had a shot at it and he did you know i i gotta say that i'm gonna throw a huge huge black flag oh snap to, to martin truex because i just thought that his remarks were completely classless and it well, you know what was even more classless the fact that he punted him in turn one after the checkered flag well, that too and, and 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 it also occurred to me that you know if this whole thing turns out the way everybody says it's going to and he signs a contract to drive for joe gibbs he fits right in because that's exactly the kind of attitude that that you see out of the joe gibbs camp more often than not lately you know the the drivers pout the drivers blame everybody but themselves um you know, it, it, it just, I'm very disappointed. That's not how a champion behaves. That's not how a champion treats a seven-time champion who was winning championships when Martin Truex couldn't qualify for a Bush North race. And I just thought that was disgraceful how he handled that. It wasn't as if Jimmy punted him directly or even tried to punt him. Jimmy lost control and he clipped him. He was racing for a win. He hadn't won in 51 starts. As far as I'm concerned, I give absolutely no pass to Martin Truex. That was totally classless. Jacob? Absolutely. Now, I know, Cisco, that uh, you want to respond to that, and we'll give you a chance to do that after the break because we're short on time. But... To go back to the Johnson Truex thing, <laughs> let's just be clear here. Number one, as you mentioned off the top, this is something that SMI couldn't have even predicted. You know, Marcus Smith said point blank to the media afterwards, it's not what I hoped for, but good grief, it was exciting. Oh, it was amazing. <laughs> Absolutely I, amazing. I think that's what's the most fun out of all of this. And amazing how we spend the entire first segment talking about the cup race we haven't even breathed the name of the guy who actually won the race hi ryan blaney i mean i don't want to completely forget about him but third we'll catch to up win? to that yeah we'll catch up to that in the next segment uh we'll talk more about ryan blaney more about cup more about of course the xfinity race which also had a surprise winner at the end 
And uh, we'll be back with more of the Stock Car Show presented by HMS Motorsport right here on Spreaker, the Performance Motorsports Network, and the Race Chaser Media Facebook page after this. You own a performance car and you know how to drive, but you want to learn real performance driving. Well, Bunky, get that car off the street and onto the track. Summit Point Motorsports Park, the Mid-Atlantic's premier road racing facility, located just over an hour from D.C. in nearby Summit Point, West Virginia, is the place to go. And you'll find that Friday at the track is going to give you what you need. For less than a monthly car payment, you can attend this regularly scheduled one-day instructional event in your street car on one of Summit Point's three world-class road racing circuits. You'll receive classroom instruction, skid pad instruction in their cars, including front and rear skid control, and four 20-minute in-your-car instructional sessions from a professional instructor. Have fun, go fast, and really learn how to drive. Call 304-725-8444 for class schedules and details. That's 304-725-8444. Friday at the track at Summit Point Motorsports Park. Green light. Hey, girl. School zone. I'm getting hungry. Car changing lanes. You want to meet me for pizza? Stop sign. Intersection clear. Yeah, street. Pizza sounds good. Ball in street? Girl in street! (gasps) It's hard to concentrate on two things at once, like texting and driving. Stop the text. Stop the wrecks. How will you stop texting and driving? Tell us at stoptextstoprex.org. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Here's an important message from Rad and this station. Hi, this is Bob Sheehan from Blues Traveler for Rad, recording artists against drunk driving. I like to party just as much as the next guy, maybe even more. But the one thing I won't do after I've had a few is get in the car and drive. Don't blow it. Always choose a designated driver. Remember, music lives and so should you. Automotive technicians and auto service trainees, how would you like to work at the beach and perform for one of the best car care centers in the nation? Lewis Meineke is now looking for skilled automotive technicians to join their award-winning team. If you're a gearhead that knows his or her stuff or a young up-and-comer that has the motivation and drive to succeed, then you need to make this call today, 302-827-2054. Lewis Meineke Car Care Center, located in beautiful Lewis, Delaware, offers a highly competitive compensation plan, great benefits, a flexible schedule, and did we mention that you're going to be working at the beach? Plus, there's a signing bonus for the right candidates. Technicians must be ASE certified and have a minimum of six years' experience. Beginners advance at your own pace in one of several entry-level positions. But whatever you do, don't wait. These jobs will go fast. Call Tim at 302-827-2054. That's 302-827-2054. Lewis Meineke Car Care Center. Rev up your career. Hi, this is Austin Terrio, and you're listening to Race Talk on the Performance Motorsports Network. Now back to the show. Welcome back to the Stock Car Show. We're live on Spreaker. We're live on the Performance Motorsports Network. We're also live on our Race Chaser Media Facebook page. If you'd like to watch us instead of just listening, feel free to go over there and, hey, give us a like while you're at it, if you would. Uh, we would appreciate that. And we are talking Roval and talking about the cup race and talking about uh, Team Penske and Ryan Blaney specifically, who yes, said, please. pass you very much when Jimmy and Martin got together and went on to 
win the event. Um, interesting that Chase Elliott gets the first win of his career on a road course, and then later in the same year, not even a month later, Ryan Blaney gets the second win of his career, but the first win of his Team Penske chapter on a road Roval yeah. road course it's a road as well. Course. Um, you know, I, I love I love Ryan. I love that Ryan won, but you know what, guys? And I'll turn to Jacob first on this. What I love more yeah. is the way Ryan reacted to the win. He was humble. He didn't gloat. Oh. He went out of his way to basically make it obvious that he, while he was happy to win and happy that his guys could win, he it, it was he said it's kind of awkward to yeah. to win the way that that he did. So he's never had a situation like that before, and you know I I just don't I think he went out of his way not to revel, if you will in others misery there yeah i and that's just the kind of person ryan is that's yes, how he's been that since i first point. met him at 13 years old uh you know this is nothing new this is typical ryan blaney and i expected nothing less quite frankly and i i had to chuckle when he said yeah this is the first time i've ever been running third in the final corner and won a race because the two leaders wrecked that just doesn't happen to me but it happened at the roval and this is cool on a lot of levels, partially for Ryan as a member of Team Penske to finally get his face on a banner in Roger's shop. That's a big deal for all the drivers who are fortunate enough to go to victory lane for the Penske team. It's a big deal for the 12 team. It's the 12's first win in quite some time. Yeah. I would have to go back and look to figure out the last That's back in Newman land, isn't it? I believe, yes, I believe before... Blaney that Newman was the last driver to win on the in the in the 12 car if I remember I correctly. I don't think there's been a driver in the 12 car since Newman has there. There it was kind of weird for a while it was the 12 and then it was the 77 and then it went away. Oh yeah, that's right yeah. because Keselowski ran the Keselowski ran the 12 yeah. when he first came to uh, Penske. He did? Yeah. Was don't that, don't argue with Jake about was these things. That was before. That was before. It, Kurt, I, I that was before Kurt Busch much. left. Remember, remember when Keselowski flipped? When Edwards flipped Keselowski at Atlanta yeah, a while yeah. back? That was okay. in the 12 car. Okay. Yeah. And, and when he introduced him at Atlanta and said, "Kyle Busch is," I can't say the rest of this quote. Yeah. <laughs> Kyle, <laughs> Kyle Busch is. You fill in the blank. Still, yeah. still one of the funniest. Yeah. Uh, but an, but anyway, back back to the whole Ryan Blaney point. This is big on a level of I think all of a sudden it opens a door for Ryan Blaney. I agree. I would not have put, you know, I I honestly, and I'll admit this, and I'm glad I was wrong, I did not have Ryan Blaney getting out of the first round of the playoffs because that 12 See, team I, had not been good at all in the last six to eight races leading into the first round. And this win, I feel like, changes all that. It's a shot in the arm. It's a big step in the right direction. And even more importantly than that, Tom, it gives them an all-important boost in playoff points that now carry through after the reset. It moves him from being the number 10 seed coming into this to the number 8 seed and above the cut line by five points to start off instead of having to fight your way out of a hole. Yeah, I mean, here's the deal with this for me. I, I think Ryan, with the tracks that are coming up, 
I think there's some good tracks for him in there. I think Dover will be a good track for him. We've got Talladega. That's, you can either say that's good for everybody or bad for everybody because it's basically the same kind of a wild card this was, except that they're going in the circle. Um, you know, I mean, you've got some tracks coming up here that I think Ryan could excel at. But I think the big thing is that you've got seven Fords in the top 12 right now, Cisco. And you've got four from Stuart Haas. I think this may be a first. I know it's a first for them. I don't know that we've had four cars from a team get to round two before. But you've got all four Stuart Haas cars. You've got, you got all three Team Penske cars as well. I think the biggest advantage Ryan's going to have is I think the Fords are going to be in a situation where they can help each other some in in this next round. And I wouldn't be surprised, honestly, if when we got to the next cutoff race, it would not surprise me, Cisco, if you were looking what is the top eight right now, it would not surprise me if you were looking at this top eight being the top eight when we get to round three. Um, and, and at that point, you basically have six Fords and a pair of Toyotas. Which kind of brings me to where I was going to, I was going to talk about Truex for a moment again, Go ahead. just to kind of give my opinion on that. But I, it's, it's an interesting situation given that the 18 and the 78 are really the only two Toyotas who've been able to consistently do things Mm-hmm. And we've been throwing Martin Truex into this conversation all year because of how good he was. Yep. But now looking at it, I'm almost wondering if that's now Brad Keselowski. Yeah, how so? Because I'm looking at Truex. He got four wins during the season. He doesn't have six. He doesn't have seven. He has four, right? Right. Keselowski has three. Got them in a row, keep in mind. And is going to be going into Talladega, a racetrack that <laughs> he absolutely loves That's and has a valid been fantastic point. at in the fall. I could see the fourth, with, fourth win coming from there. Also keep in mind, and this is to my point about Truex, it's been since July that he's won. He's talked over and over with the broadcast crews and with all the reporters the fact that they'll either finish really well or they'll crash. So I understand the sentiment and I understand the frustration that he's had seeing that he's been on the lower end scale of things as of late. Yes, it's been a little bit of a drop for Mountain Truex. And considering all the hype that's around him, I, I understand a little bit of the frustration that he had on Sunday. And also keep in mind that, yes, he didn't he did go out and spin Jimmy out after the race. He didn't put him in the wall. He didn't go after and beat him up in the pits or anything like that. He was frustrated. It was a long day for these drivers. Honestly, if I was in that situation, I probably would have been a little ticked too. But that's, you know, it's the nature of the racing that we saw at the Roval. So, yes, I agree that by the fact that his interview wasn't very becoming. His on-track performance wasn't very becoming of a former champion. However, I also understand, and that comes from someone who's been a Jimmy Johnson fan since the beginning. So just kind of that's to get that out. Now, back to the point I was going to make. 
I feel like Brad Keselowski has more momentum than Martin Truex right now. I'm just going to say it. Yes, Martin got very lucky with the way things panned out. And, Tom, you brought out the fact that you said Jimmy was up there thanks to some help from all the cars crashing. That also helped for Truex as well because Keselowski and Larson were both up there. If those two don't control or disconnect into the first turn and just lock up, they're probably going to go on to win that race. Well, at Cisco. Be, wait, before you make yeah. your point, let me let me let's not forget there was another Ford up in there too, named Paul Menard, who I don't yeah. think any of us would have had in no. the top five at the end. And Menard was even running. I, I think it would have been between those guys and not so much Truex or Johnson. Menard had, had dropped back. No, Menard had dropped back behind Johnson and Truex and some of the others having to extremely save fuel before that last caution. Oh, okay. Um, I can't remember. He, no, Everybody he, he was, was he was fuel, Yeah, Menard like. had dropped back to like ninth to 12th, somewhere in there by that point when the last far, caution but okay. flew. But anyway, uh, to back to Cisco's point. Stop and consider here, Cisco. Let's be clear. Keselowski has a little bit more moment, momentum, yes, but Martin Truex has 50% more playoff points in the bank than Brad Keselowski does. That's big. Martin Truex was not anywhere close to missing the play. You know, he had already been locked into right. the next round before yeah. this ever started on points. There was no question. There was no concern. I'm not worried about Martin Truex. They just have to get their stuff right for round three I'm and Homestead. That's it. I'm not saying I'm worried about him. I'm saying that the on-track performance that I've seen versus what Brad's been doing lately, as far as a threat to make it to Homestead, I think Brad will be in that top four, and I think Brad is going to have a better shot than Truex and that race, assuming he gets to the final round. Total, based on what no, I've seen no, absolutely lately. not. We This first round is so different, Cisco. The only downforce track we've been on is Las Vegas, and Truex was right in the middle of that battle, too, before Keselowski came on late with a short-run car. Not buying it at all. We're getting to, okay. we're getting to the meat and potatoes well, of this round. Well, but the, the, the I, I agree with you, Jacob, as far as that goes but i also believe that the momentum right now is on brad keselowski's side and even though he crashed out of this race he was still in position to win and just to wrap up the whole thing with truex and his behavior you can make all the excuses you want i didn't say he didn't have a right to be frustrated but it, you, you don't take the seven time it, it would have been different if jimmy would have directly moved him or crashed him trying to win the race. Jimmy lost control. It's not like Truex has never done that before. Yeah. It, it was the way that he went about it and, and how he talked about Jimmy Johnson's move after the race. I just thought, you know, Truex could be a whole lot more uh, classy in, in the remarks that he made. Not to say that he couldn't have said, well, I'm disappointed Jimmy took that shot and took us out. But to, to I don't care if he put him in the fence or not. He, he clearly spun him and, and made things worse. So I'm sorry. I, I'm just, uh, I, I'm totally disgusted with Martin's uh, behavior after that. And I'm very surprised because I gave Martin a whole lot more credit than that. We'll be back with more of the Stock Car Show. We've got more conversation. Haley about, Deegan up uh, next. Yeah, we got Haley Deegan up next. More conversation about the Roval. And, of course, we're going to talk about the other wild and controversial finish that happened at Martinsville Speedway coming up later in the show as well. Stick around. You're listening to the Stock Car Show presented by HMS Motorsport, the leaders in motorsport safety. Back right after this. 
Do you love the sound of high revving motors and the smell of burning rubber? Do you want to get your car sideways right at the ragged edge of control? If you've always wanted to try drifting or learn to improve your drifting skills, Summit Point Motorsports Park, the Mid-Atlantic's premier motorsports facility, has the expert instructors and the specialized track to teach you how to drift and the skills necessary to drift competitively. From skid pad to open sessions, Summit Point Motorsports Park has the safe and open environment that allows drifters of all skill levels, new to intermediate, to get sideways and smoking. With a focus on safety and the skill set necessary to drift competitively, Summit Point Motorsports Park's Drift Nirvana is just the thing for you. Call for your reservation today, 304-725-8444. Or for more information, go online, summitpoint-raceway.com or you can email them at office at bsrinc.com. Drift Nirvana, getting you sideways the right way. HMS Motorsport is the leader in motorsport safety. HMS serves the majority of Monster Energy NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, Camping World Truck, IndyCar, and IMSA WeatherTech teams, as well as countless SCCA and club-level racers and driving enthusiasts throughout North America. Featuring world-renowned brands like Schubert Helmets, Schroep Belts, Adidas Suits and Shoes, Lifeline Fire Systems, and even Racecom Radio Kits, HMS has the right product for your type of racing and your budget. Their representatives are experts on only one thing, making your track driving as safe as possible. With locations in Mooresville, North Carolina and Danvers, Massachusetts, the HMS staff is always ready to take the time to help you find the right product for your safety needs. Don't settle for second when it comes to motorsport safety. Stop in to HMS Motorsport. Visit them on their website at hmsmotorsport.com or send them a message on Facebook and tell them the folks from PMN Radio sent you. What an awesome game. What's up with your car? I don't know. It won't start. How are we getting home? Chill. My parents signed me up for the roadside assistance from Lewis Meineke. It was free with my oil change. They'll come and get the car started or get us home and tow the car to the shop. Good to know. With my driving, my parents never know what to expect. When you join the Meineke Car Care Club with a $35 preferred service, you get four free months of roadside assistance, including tire change, battery jump, lockout service, towing, and more. Contact Lewis Meineke located on Route 1 or call 827-2054. When do you think of a plumber? Like most people, even if it's an emergency, you can be confident about who will arrive to help you. For quality and reliability, count on someone you can trust. Call on the plumbing services of Hague Quality Water of Maryland. Plumbing doesn't have to be an emergency. We handle all kinds of preventative maintenance, too. Hague Quality Water of Maryland is family-owned here in Annapolis since 1993. For a refreshing choice, call us at 888-84-WATER or visit us online. COPD, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, is a lung disease that robs people of their ability to breathe. As many as 24 million Americans suffer from COPD, also known as chronic bronchitis or emphysema, and half of them don't know they have the disease. If you or someone you love is over 35 and has smoked more than 100 cigarettes in their lifetime, visit driveforcopd.org and take the screener, then take that to your doctor. I'm Jeff Stoltz, and I drive for COPD. Hi, I'm Tyler Reddick, and you're listening to Race Talk on the Performance Motorsports Network. Welcome back to the Stock Car Show, presented by HMS Motorsport, the leaders in motorsport safety. And we have got, uh, we are joined on the Race Chaser hotline by Haley Deegan, who just recently became the first female to 
win a NASCAR K&N Pro Series West feature event, getting the job done at Meridian Speedway on the quarter mile. Haley, welcome back to the program. It is great to talk with you and congratulations on a win that was well-earned and has been a while coming. I know you've worked really hard for this. Yeah, no, it was a crazy race. It's definitely all my hard work finally paying off, which is pretty cool. All right, Haley, so before we dig into the race too much, I actually want to point out uh, your post-race media interview through NASCAR Media because I did get a chance to listen back to that on Sunday morning before the cup race. <laughs> did they hand you a monster or three before you, uh, before you talked to the press after that one? Because that is the most excited I think I have ever heard you. You might have given your dad a run for his money. Yeah, I know. It, it was a crazy race, and I'm just so happy that it worked out the way it was, and I was so excited. So talk us through the, the closing laps there. I know, obviously, any first win is big, but to do it in K&N West, to battle your teammate, it was it was nuts. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I knew I had to make it happen. I knew it was going to have to be on the last lap, which the uh, bumper run was necessary. And I think that the way it happened, my teammate still finished second, which is good. We finished one, two, and three, all of us, so it was a good day. It definitely uh, was a great day. Talk, walk us through that that race and talk a little bit about how uh, everything kind of boiled down to that last lap move. Yeah, we definitely fell back there because we got stuck on the bottom. And uh, as soon as I figured out how to make passes at that track, we went right back to the front. And I think that that last lap pass was definitely the highlight of the race right there. Now, for you, this has been a season. Everything's been building to this. I mean, I think we forget that just a couple of you know, just a couple of weeks ago, you had the run on the dirt in Las Vegas where you ran second, and I think that was the point where you and I talked after that, and I, I said to myself, "Okay, it's coming." Was that Vegas race motivation for you to go out and get that last spot you were missing? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that definitely. I knew I had to rebound from that. For you, what was the closing laps like? What was the intensity like when you're trying to chase down Cole and then to make the move for the lead come into the white flag? What's going through your mind? I knew I just had to be perfect on those last couple laps and just really contain myself from overdriving the car, which uh, ended up working out. I don't know how, but it was good. So I ended up uh, just hitting my lines perfect, and in the end, we uh, got back up there and we ended up making it back. This has been a whirlwind for you. I know you uh, you came into uh, North Carolina area last night, and it's been kind of a whirlwind tour here today. Uh, this not the first uh, interview that you've done. I know you've kind of been all over the place celebrating this victory. Yeah, we've definitely have done probably like 20 interviews today. It's been crazy, but yeah, don't think I had me on though. Now. Everybody's talked about it. This, for you, the first win by a female driver in K&M Pro Series West history. And you talked at the NASCAR Next event in May that you didn't want to be the best female driver. You just wanted to be the best driver. I feel like you've started to put some of that to rest with some of the runs you've had this year. But I will ask, what does it mean to set a mark like that to know that, hey, nobody else has done what I just managed to do? Yeah, there's not many things in the world of NASCAR that people have, haven't done. And so to be a person that kind of checks that off, it's definitely something to be myself. 
I'm super, super pumped on. It's just keeping me like hungry for more. Like I, now I just want to go out and I want to train my butt off to do better and get more wins. Well, what's that training process been like for you this season? I, I know, obviously, it's been a lot of hard work to adjust from the off-road side to the NASCAR side, and there's a lot uh, physically that goes into that. Yeah, I think just I've been practicing every single day, going to the gym, just stuff that I feel like outworks, trying to outwork the competitors, and it showed, and I think we definitely have the results now to prove that. Now, Haley, that's, you know, you talked about everything on track. You've had to, you've been able to do some things off the track this year. One of the things you got to do was uh, you became the, uh, how should I say, the driver coach almost in the new NASCAR Heat 3 game. Talk a little bit about that. What got you involved in that? And uh, how, talk a bit about what, how they, how that all worked with you. Yeah, it was cool. They kind of reached out to me and we got to set something up to be kind of like the mentor on the dirt game, which is sweet, but uh, that's definitely right now my focus is on the track. Haley, you mentioned that you want to carry this momentum. Two races left. Now that you've got the win in your back pocket, does that take the pressure off for these last two races that you've, as you mentioned on Twitter, we, you've checked every box, every goal that you set out to do this year? Yeah, I think that... It's definitely a sigh of relief getting that win, but I want to go for more. Define more. I mean, in the last two what are you looking for now in the last two races? Obviously, at uh, two very different racetracks in uh, Roseville there and then the finale at Kern, which you've been at before. Yeah, those last two races, I'm just, I'm going to have to give it my all. We're going to try to go for wins, and we're not in this for the championship. We're in it for wins right now, so we're just going to have to make it happen. How do you grade this season with Bill McAnally Racing? Obviously, it, it started a little slow, but you've hit a lot of momentum at the right time yeah. here in the second half. Yeah, I think that the, the whole season's gone good. We've developed like we talked about, and we're getting better, and we got that win, and I think that's all that really matters. For those in our audience who aren't familiar with your off-road background and the transition you've made to NASCAR, talk a little bit about that and what you've had to do differently adapting to the K&M West car compared to uh, what you came from in the Lucas Oil Series. Yeah, Dirt's a lot more aggressive coming into the K&M Series. I had to learn to be more patient, kind of relax, fan uh, out for these long races. That's really the only thing. Well, I know... You can't do any of this by yourself, Haley. Talk a little bit about uh, the supporters and sponsors that you need to thank, uh, everybody that makes it happen for you in this 19 team. Yeah, Toyota Racing especially, Bill McNally, Napa Racing, uh, Monster, Mobile One, everyone that's behind me this year, they're the ones that help me make it happen. All right, so final question before we cut you loose here. Uh, have you started to get any of your plans for, for 2019 ironed out yet, or is that still kind of a work in progress here? Not yet. We're working on it. All right. Well, I know uh, we certainly hope to see you uh, back in some sort of stock car in 2019, but definitely a huge historic moment for you, Haley, and very, very impressed to see it happen. Congratulations again, and uh, we're wishing you the best of luck here going into these final 2K&M Pro Series West events. Yeah, thanks for having me on. That is Haley Deegan, Tom, and uh, the enthusiasm certainly is boundless there. I, I go yeah. back to Saturday night listening to, uh, to her first interview right after she got out of the car. Obviously big for her. Um, for those in our audience who don't know, her father, Brian Deegan, uh, one of the most decorated uh, X Games athletes in the history of the X yeah. Games, and the, you know, 
we've been waiting for this kind of a breakthrough, I feel like, from her. She finally got it Saturday night on the quarter mile, and I just have the feeling she's not done this year. This, the, Her whole season's been building to the end of it here. Well, you know, she, again, she talked about she's developing and she's getting better as the season's gone on. Um, it helped her, I think, that we had that that dust bowl in Vegas that they ran on the dirt there that uh, she was able to obviously utilize her dirt experience with. But, um, you know, seeing her get this win, and again, you see a lot of the drivers that th this is typical in a division like Canon East or West, you put them on a quarter mile, and as they're developing, that's they get out front, and that's where you, you see them get their first win. So not a, a big surprise to me that she got a win, but I got to tell you, I think, uh, you know, she really is, she's setting herself up nicely, I think, to, to run out the rest of the schedule. Still a couple races left, um, and I mean, it wouldn't surprise me to see her get another win before no. it's done. Not no, at all. it wouldn't me either, especially uh, the next race on the calendar is All-American Speedway there in Roseville, the third mile, Tom. And that's another track that's very tight, drives very similar to where she got her, uh, her first win at uh, Meridian over the weekend, and I think that could be good. Kern County, that big, fast half mile, I think might be might be a little bit tougher, but I, I like her chances at Roseville. I think it's going to be good, and it's great to that's, see yeah, the Bill McAnally yep. team as a whole really resurging. They're not going to win the championship this year, but they've definitely all bounced back in a big way, obviously, with Derek Krause having a good run, uh, not necessarily with BMR specifically, but a good run at Loudoun and now Haley getting the win. Absolutely. And with that, we'll step aside when we come back. Xfinity on the Roval in the next segment. And we've got Langley Austin coming up oh at the top of the hour. Boy. We're going to break <laughs> down the Martinsville madness right here on the Stock Car Show in just a little while. Don't go anywhere. In fact, call up five of your friends and tell them to come on and join us in conversation here. You're listening to the Stock Car Show presented by HMS Motorsport, the leaders in motorsport safety. We'll be back right after this. Everywhere you go, you hear it, and you see it. It's coming at you through your phone, your tablet, and your computer. It's broadcast from your favorite radio station, TV networks, and cable companies. It's in the stadiums, the arenas, the ballparks. It screams for your attention at the mall. It's interactive on Main Street. It's even coming at you from the gas pump at the nearby convenience store. What is it? It's digital content. It's digital content. It's digital content. Somebody has to create it. Somebody has to manage it. So whether your dream is to write it, design it, create it, call it, produce it, voice it, host it, light it, shoot it, switch it, record it, color correct it, edit it, code it, repurpose it, tweet it, blog it, post it, compress it, upload it, replay it, or make sure it gets to where it's got to go when it's got to get there in the format it's got to be in. You need to attend Carolina School of Broadcasting. The skills you will learn, the experience you will get, and the connections you will make at Carolina School of Broadcasting will open the doors to the career you want in digital content creation and digital content management. Call or come by today. Click csbradiotv.edu. Parents, your son or daughter has had their license for a while now, but you want to make sure they're prepared for any situation they may face on the road. High school driver's ed doesn't teach them to drive defensively. They need to be prepared for any highway emergency. 
For less than a month's insurance and a whole lot less, BSR instructors at Summit Point Motorsports Park in nearby Summit Point, West Virginia, will teach your son or daughter how to respond instantly and positively to unexpected situations on the road. BSR's specialized accident avoidance training teaches swerve to avoid maneuvers at highway speeds, ocular driving, which focuses driving attention on ways to avoid accidents, vehicle dynamics and feedback, skid control and skid recovery, threshold braking on straights and progressive braking on curves, and off-road recovery techniques. This is stuff driver's ed simply doesn't teach. So call BSR today, 304-725-8444. Give your kid the skill set needed to drive safely and responsibly on the highway. That's 304-725-8444. This is a test to find out if you know it all when it comes to children. Name one of the leading killers of U.S. children age 1 to 13. What's the best way to protect children in a car crash? At what age and size should a child start using a booster seat? Don't assume you know it all when it comes to car seats for your child. Go to safercar.gov slash the right seat and know for sure. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Hey, this is Garrett Smithley, driver of the number nothing Chevrolet for JD Motorsports, and you're listening to Race Talk on the Performance Motorsports Network. Welcome back to the Stock Car Show here on the Performance Motorsports Network and Spreaker. And we are live streaming to our Race Chaser Media Facebook page. Hey, I got a question for you. How many of you out there have ever needed some sort of care at about 5 o'clock on a Friday or at about 10 o'clock on a Sunday? And maybe you were away somewhere and out of pocket to get to your doctor or to your local hospital. Well, guess what? We've got an option for you. Tell Med Benefits. With Tell Med Benefits, you can talk to a doctor by phone or online video to get a diagnosis, treatment options, and a prescription if medically necessary. I've used this myself. I used it when I had the flu last fall. It saves a whole bunch of time and effort and money by avoiding crowded waiting rooms in the doctor's office, the urgent care clinic, or ER. Just use your phone, computer, smartphone, or tablet to get a quick diagnosis by a U.S. licensed physician. This is no joke. Telemedicine is a fast-rising option for those who are just seeking a quick way to get some uh, quick medical attention. You can feel better now. Just go to telemedbenefits.com. That's telemedbenefits.com. It's only $19.95 a month, and it covers up to five people in the household. Go to the website, get your free pharmacy discount card, Benefits the newest partner for us here on Race Chaser Radio. And we appreciate the opportunity to partner with them. It is a, again, it's a great service and uh, something that every family could use. So tell me benefits, uh, tell me benefits.com for more information on that. As we continue with the show, we go back rolling and we talk about oh boy. the Xfinity race. I, yes, please. I was not able to be there, but I did watch a good part of it before the wedding started. So I was able to at least see it on uh, the, the app, but um this looked like a race, and went, again, like yesterday, we kind of, we have one or two bigger ones, but for the most part, it was a pretty, pretty clean race. Chase Briscoe coming out the winner. Who would have ever thought 
Chase Briscoe getting a win. I think all of us thought the way it started, Austin Sindrick was going to go hide. Um, but, boy, he just cannot buy a break. It doesn't matter what car he drives. Well, here's two things. Number one, Austin Sindrick made a mistake. He did. Austin Sindrick yeah. admitted he made yep. a mistake. If no not, question. If not for spinning out of the lead, he probably is in position to win the race. Yeah instead of having to fight from behind. Point number two. Why is everybody so surprised that Chase Briscoe won on Saturday? Genuine question. Why? Well, why? Gee, I don't know. Maybe it's because he grew up racing open-wheel stuff on dirt. I mean, I know he's had a, a few starts in the he's had, Trans Ams or whatever. No, he's, no, he's, NASCAR, he's had multiple starts this season in the IMSA Continental Tire Sports Car Challenge and the Mustang GT4 on road courses. He's run the majority of the schedule this year with Scott Maxwell, who's one of the most fair. renowned Ford road racers in the program, who's done a tremendous job of training Chase for what it takes to go road racing and go road racing successfully. Anybody who's surprised that Briscoe managed to get it done on the road course needs to stop and remember that for a second. Ford has dumped a ton into preparing Chase Briscoe this season, not just for his oval track NASCAR racing, but to make him a better all-around racer. He's run oval track NASCAR stuff. He's run dirt sprint car stuff. He's run road races this year. Chase Briscoe, I would argue, is one of the most well-rounded drivers in the sport right now, and he's not even at the cup level. The fact that he won, the fact that he won for the guy he terms his racing hero in Tony Stewart and the fact that he got it done in Charlotte in the team's backyard, that's a huge deal. Not surprising, but a huge deal. This was a big moment, I feel like, for the kid who started sleeping on couches for the longest time just to get an opportunity and started sweeping floors in the Cunningham Motorsports Arca shop just to get an opportunity. Now he's here and he's here to stay. What's interesting about this, Cisco, at least for me, is that, of course, Briscoe getting the win. Now, this is his first win in Xfinity. It's his first year in Xfinity. What's interesting is the 41 opens up after this season because Kurt Busch is going to go somewhere, <coughs> the one. Um, and so, oh, did you uh, cough? Excuse you. I coughed, yeah. I, 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 it, I had that Chip Ganassi cough. Um, and... You know, this they're talking about Daniel Suarez, really no big surprise. He's about the only uh, name left of, of the cup guys who need a seat. But it makes me wonder, what do we do with Chase Briscoe here? Because you got Cole Custer down there. Mm -hmm. You don't assume Almirola's going anywhere anytime soon. And we don't, at least we don't think Kevin Harvick's going anywhere anytime soon. So next year, you would almost think you'd have two drivers if you're Ford to bring up into the Cup Series in Briscoe and Custer. And maybe, maybe one seat available well, at Stuart Haas if Clint Boyer goes anywhere, Cisco. Um, this is going to be kind of interesting to see if, if that's kind of the direction Briscoe heads in or if as Ford expands, which I believe they're going to here uh, in the next year or so, maybe he falls into line somewhere else in the organization. Aren't there, isn't there a front row car that's opening up here at the end of the season? Uh, not necessarily. Yeah, but I, I don't, I thought, uh, may, the, well, there, that's not been determined. Um, okay. 
there's a chance of running three cars, perhaps, maybe. But well, I, I was talking about Dee Burrito's car. That's oh, not that's a front go row. Fast oh, that's, that's, not that's go right. fast. Yeah, that's yeah. Not yeah. Front row bought uh, BK Racing. Yeah. Um, yeah. The go fast car is open, but Ford's not putting Chase in that car. I don't no. believe. No. Um, you know, I, 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 th- I don't think Chase is ready. I think they'll run him probably one more year in the Xfinity series. Jake, hang, hang on a minute. Chase, or give him, Br- give Chase him the Brisco- car that he's running full time. Chase Briscoe's not even had a full. Chase Briscoe's not even had a half a season in an Xfinity car, and you're trying to rush him to Cup after maybe one full season next year? Absolutely not. And Mark Rushbrook from Ford Performance said, "We have a very specific plan for what we're working on with Chase. We'll announce that in due in due course." But I don't see Chase. I see Chase Briscoe likely running two full years in Xfinity before he makes the jump to the cup level. And at that point, the 41 is the, the Haas car is going to go to Cole Custer. That's very clear. It's yeah. that we know how that's going to shake out. I see Chase Briscoe as being the heir apparent to Kevin Harvick when Harvick's contract is up in a couple of years from now. I don't think you have to rush this. Ford knows they don't have to rush this, and I feel like they know when the time is right. They're going to have a place for him. Chase is not that much older than some of the other young guys right now. He's only like 24. He's got time. But that's older. Yeah. And, and and the the interesting thing is, see, I don't, I don't, I would argue that I don't believe Chase Briscoe is going to need two more full seasons of Xfinity at all. I I, I mean, William Byron didn't have two full seasons. Chase Elliott didn't have two full Chase, seasons. No, Chase okay. did have yeah, full, that's two right. full he, you seasons. Know, you're right, he did. But Byron didn't. And, and a lot of these kids Byron after didn't, a and year, he's struggling this after year. After a yeah. year already, and Briscoe's older and way more seasoned than William Byron was, I don't believe Chase needs two more years. And what's more is I don't believe that it's, it's a certainty that Clint Boyer retires after next year. <laughs> so... Well, where are you putting Cole Custer? You said the Haas car goes to Custer. That, I, yes, the Haas car yeah, meaning 41. The, the 41. So Custer's coming up this year? No, in a year. So you're going to sign Suarez to a one-year deal? It's not, it's, it, it, there, there is more speculation now that Suarez isn't going to the 41. I just saw Adam Stern today say that conversations were ongoing, and I don't – who are you going to put in the 41 this year? Are you going to just park the car and lease the charter? Because that is an option. But Easy I, enough to do. I can't believe they're going to do it. I, I think it's I, – I, I see Ford expanding their roster, to tell you the truth, of teams and making a space because you're not going to – if Cole Custer isn't cup ready by the end of next year, then Cole needs to think about something else to do. Um, and Chase Briscoe, honestly – By the end of next year, if you watch his performances so far this year and look what he did in the truck when he jumped in it at Eldora, and he's made good on almost every opportunity he's had. And if he hasn't had the results, he certainly had the level of performance. I think Chase Briscoe at the end of next year is ready for cup and Ford's going to need to find a place for him. Now, you know, I would like to believe that maybe it could have been with Roush, but now we've got Newman with the two-year contract. Three-year contract. Is it three? Yes. I I mean, so, you know, that's there's nothing going to be there necessarily. Why would you go to Roush? They're terrible soon. right well, now. But my point is you would think that at some point, you know, Roush 
was Ford for the longest time. Yeah. You would think at some point you'd see the kind of progress that could put them back as a viable option. Right now, you can't. You wouldn't even I, put I, a driver with Roush. I have an opinion on that, but I'm going to keep my mouth shut so I don't piss a lot of people off. Well, I mean, see, I guess I'm, I'm not afraid to say <laughs> it right now. They, they're, as far as I'm concerned, Roush is lower on the Ford totem pole than Front Row Motorsports, and they're going to have to earn their way back up there. Um, mm -hmm. You know, except for the one little tiny glimmer that Kenseth had a couple weeks ago in Indianapolis, yeah. their finishes have, for the most part, been in the 20s, except for Bain's 11th place that he had. Um, and he was running halfway decent yesterday, but, I mean, they've got Stenhouse on a long-term contract, and he was all over the place yesterday. So I don't know what Roush Fenway is doing right now, but I do know this. Right now you got Stuart Haas and Penske as the two top flight Ford teams, there's no place going to be for Chase Briscoe at Penske unless Ford provides the wherewithal to add a fourth car. And I'm not sure Roger necessarily is interested in that. And you got Austin Sindrick, who's eventually going to be in yep. that mix. I'm not. So, yeah, no, if there's going to be a there will be a fourth <laughs> Penske car eventually. Yeah. And Austin Sindrick right. will be driving it, if, period. If it, it that has to occur before you know, Brad decides to retire. Hang on a minute. <laughs> Why would Brad retire at like 30-something? He's 34, 35, isn't he by now? Ah, uh, no. Well, double-check his age. I don't think I so. I'm going to, yeah. But, I mean, otherwise you're going to have to make a fourth car. So, so uh, no, I, I, and Rogers had openly admitted that eventually they're going to have to add a fourth car. At some point. You got to deal with Chase Briscoe, and I don't think you could wait two years to do it. Okay, you're right. He's, he's 34, but I don't yeah. see Brad retiring in the well, next five not. to seven years. He may no, not, but not I when mean, you're running like I'm he's just running. saying, uh, 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 short of that happening, you got to go to the fourth car, which takes Briscoe out of the running, and you've only got two top teams right now at Ford. So Ford needs to be thinking about that because, again, you'll they're going to be expanding their. I think they're going to expand their driver development roster as well. Um, yes, Mark Rushbrook confirmed that after so, the, after Saturday's race. Going to be very, very interesting to see what happens uh, with Chase here. But he certainly helped himself on Saturday. Yep, Great race. Very, very happy to see how well things went at the Roval. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we go from the Roval to the Oval to the paperclip. Martinsville ran a race on Saturday night. And it ended in controversy. Shocker. Imagine that. We'll be back to discuss it with Langley Austin from Race22.com right after these words. You own a performance car and you know how to drive, but you want to learn real performance driving. Well, Bunky, get that car off the street and onto the track. Summit Point Motorsports Park, the Mid-Atlantic's premier road racing facility, located just over an hour from D.C. in nearby Summit Point, West Virginia, is the place to go. And you'll find that Friday at the track is going to give you what you need. For less than a monthly car payment, you can attend this regularly scheduled one-day instructional event in your street car on one of Summit Point's three world-class road racing circuits. You'll receive classroom instruction, skid pad instruction in their cars, including front and rear skid control, and four 20-minute, in-your-car instructional sessions from a professional instructor. Have fun, go fast, and really learn how to drive. Call 304-725-8444 for class schedules and details. That's 304-725-8444, Friday at the track at Summit Point Motorsports Park. 
Every 30 minutes, another innocent person is killed due to a drunk driver. My best friend. My brother. My poor grandchild. My sister. My father. My husband. My mom. <laughs> my mommy. Stop these tragedies before they happen. Don't drink and drive. The Performance Motorsports Network is a compilation of shows about motorsports. From technical to controversial to just fun, everything you like about racing and gearhead stuff is right here on one internet channel. The Performance Motorsports Network. Tell your friends about it. Hi, I'm Reed Sorensen. Racing has been a part of me and my family for as long as I can remember. I had to make tough choices early on to get to the top. It took hard work and dedication, but it's those tough choices that helped me prepare for challenges I would face as a cup driver. Make the right choices today and be ready for the challenges tomorrow. This message is brought to you by the U.S. Air Force. Hi, I'm Timmy Salamito, and you're listening to Race Talk on the Performance Motorsports Network. Now back to the show. Welcome back to the Stock Car Show here on the Performance Motorsports Network and uh, Spreaker. And we are joined now by Langley Austin from Race22.com as we start the second hour. Tom Baker, Jacob Seelman sitting inside the race chaser studios here in mooresville north carolina we've got randy miller in the tech shed capably keeping us on time and punching all the right buttons and we got cisco scaramuza via the race chaser skype line langley gonna join us he's been on with us a few times before we're bringing him back because Race 22 did a phenomenal job of keeping us all updated on what was going on at Martinsville over the course of the week, this past week and weekend. And then, of course, we uh, for those of us who couldn't be there, we got to uh, watch the live stream on Fans Choice TV, uh, who gets five stars from Tom for... Uh, putting that on because it gave us an opportunity. Yes, and and don't to, forget about MRN too. To watch when you it talk about MRN, fans that's choice. right. Yeah, that, because M yeah. MRN was the majority right. of the call yep. for for the fans choice broadcast. Good point. And I told Steve Post and Alex Hayden both on Sunday when they got back to the Roval. You know, we, we need to do that every year because it was fun. it agree. was phenomenal, and I enjoyed every lap. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, I take that back, and 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 Langley will probably chuckle at the fact that I just said that in a second. I I I enjoyed every <laughs> lap. I just didn't enjoy some of what went on aside from the laps. And we'll bring Langley out here and uh, get him involved in the conversation. Langley, first of all, welcome back to the show. Glad to have you back on again. Um, you were there. Let's, let's start to unpack this a little. First of all, um, another big weekend, huge car counts, a ton of talent. The best of the best in NASCAR-style late model racing were there. And uh, you had, oh, this invader from the super late models who sort of snuck in unannounced, not, uh, but uh, came in to steal the money, and he darn near pulled it off. Yeah, absolutely. 
thank you guys for uh, having me on the show and uh, appreciate all the kind words about race 22. But um, yeah, it, it was, uh, it was incredible. Um, you know, incredible talent. And, you know, you mentioned, you know, super late model guy sneaking in and nobody really snuck in, but uh, uh, <laughs> Bubba and, and Corey Heim. I mean, you know, let's, let's not forget him, man. That, that, that dude is an absolute wheel man. And he, uh, he came in from the super late model ranks and, you know, technically he's won three races and has never seen a trophy or money for either any of them. Um, but, uh, man, it was, it was wild. Martinsville is always, uh, you know, of course our biggest year, uh, biggest race of the year. And, uh, it's, uh, rarely ever disappoints. Um, and I'm not going to say that it disappointed this year, but there was uh, a lot of disappointing things that happened for sure. Langley, I want to kind of take this, right off the top here and, and start from the beginning for a couple of minutes because <laughs> I feel like we were good up until the competition caution with 20 to go and it seems like I say that every year but good grief Josh Berry once he got to the lead was a bullet train I mean it, it blows my mind that he hasn't won Martinsville yet but yet again here we are junior motorsports doing what they do and putting together a very, very, very strong effort. And I think I was just as entertained at watching Dale Jr. and Kelly on Twitter as that race progressed as I was watching Josh do what he was doing on the racetrack. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, It was very entertaining. I've seen the Twitter stuff. I don't get on Twitter a whole lot, but, uh, of course, everybody in the media center was uh, talking about that. Right. So, um, yeah, you know, Josh, is, uh, Josh has been one of the best cars there um, the last three or four or five years. And, uh, you know, he, uh, he, if it came down to performance alone to win Martinsville, he'd probably have two or three clocks already. But, uh, you know, unfortunately, it's, uh, it is uh, the biggest luck deal, you know, ever. I mean, of course, you've got to be in the front. See, Falk's been in the front many times and, and never been lucky enough to win it. And, you know, this year, you know, he got – he got the luck and, and, and got the victory. Um, but you know, Josh did, he, uh, he dominated the race and I really didn't, I really didn't see that coming. I didn't see him being as dominant as he was, but, uh, once he dropped the green flag, he was, uh, he was on it and, uh, he was better than anybody else on the racetrack. And uh, I really, honestly, if that thing would have went, uh, you know, green to the end, um, you know, no, no, uh, lap, you know, one eighty break. I don't think there was anybody who could even contend with him in any way, shape or form. Well, obviously, it came down to a series of, you know, I'll spin this guy, and then you spin the next guy, and I'll spin you, and then you spin me, or whatever. It just, this is what always happens when we get down to it in Martinsville. And I, I put a, I meant it to be satirical. Um, you know, I put a post on my Facebook wall after the, the race and said, I don't understand, you know, why everybody on social media is so surprised that this race ended this way. You know, we always have a young punk, a young villain. You know, <laughs> it's been Dylan Bassett. This year it was Lane Riggs. And again, I'm not calling Riggs a villain. I'm just, it's, it's you know, it's like just, casting parts for a play or whatever you know he's the young villain and then you have you know somewhere in there is is almost always josh barry it seems like and peyton sellers ends up in the middle of it more often than not and then, like you said falk's been closed as it won. you know it, it's it's different players but the same roles in the same situation um i want to focus for a moment though on the way that the race ended and why ce falk got the win because 
I, I'd like for you, because I'm sure you could do it a whole lot better than I could, can you unpack the rule that, th- that was used to justify giving C.E. Falk the victory because a lot of people felt like he wasn't the guy that should have won that race. And I have to admit, until I saw you talking about it and, and somebody, it might have even been you in one of your posts, explained it, I, I didn't get it. I, I I may be able to explain it, and I still don't get it. Um, <laughs> it, it, it it was it was there to you know there is no rule, but you know that I, I have not been able to find a rule that states that it should be this way. But you know, based on their explanation, basically every lap counted because because the laps you know the caution laps counted every lap counted. So when they so when they came to you know the green flag. Um, you know, for the last, the third of, of the green-white checker finishes, um, CE got a better restart than, than Corey Heim did. They were the front row. And um, he came to the line, and that lap counted because everybody passed the line before the caution came out. And thus, he was the winner, despite the fact that Corey Heim took the lead back as soon as they went into turn one and uh, held a fairly good lead off of turn two and into three before they slowed down for the caution. Um so in my eye, you know, Corey Heim should have been the winner. Um, you know, they had video evidence that he was the leader at the time of the caution. Granted, they didn't have every position, but, I mean, that's, you know, it doesn't matter. The way the way all the other NASCAR rule books read, and, of course, I'm paraphrasing, but the way the, the rest of them read is that you, at the end of the race, you use every means necessary and available to you to determine the winner and not by the start-finish line or not just by the loops or, or whatever the case may be, which they didn't use the loops, so, so that, that wouldn't have mattered anyway. But they, they should have used every, every method to determine it, and they had clear you know, video that, that showed where everybody was and whether or not, you know, the car stopped. I mean, they had multiple cameras. So, to me, you know, Corey Heim should have won the race. Um, but C.E. Falk won the race. And, and honestly, you know, C.E. Falk, you know, for you know his time at Martinsville, you know, he's very deserving of the win. I'm not taking anything away from him in any way, shape, or form. But, you know, had, had the race been called the way that every other NASCAR race would be called, Corey Heim would be the winner today. So... So NASCAR, for their late model rules, doesn't use a, when the caution comes out, we go back to the last fully completed lap. Well, no, that's exactly what they did, Tom, is what he was yeah. saying. They oh, don't, okay. Because that's what yes. I was trying to well, figure, because I thought that's what, what they did. Basically, but. what they considered as the last fully completed lap was the restart lap when they took the green flag, yeah. which is exactly what I disagree with and why I've been fuming about this oh, since see, Saturday okay, night. Now that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. So 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 then, who if it, if it went back to the previous lap, which is what it should have done? Yes, it should have gone back to the order. Who's the leader? <laughs> well, because I I've lost track of yeah, who okay. was where when. So here, the, the whole reason Falk won the race was because at the end of the day, the restart lap, lap 216, when they took the green flag to start overtime three, he beat the actual leader of the race, Corey Heim, to the line by about that much. Right. So So he was credited with the win because he was ahead at the start-finish line. That was considered the last fully completed lap and what they used to set the finishing order, not the video at the moment of caution. 
Yes. Uh, uh, here's where it re- gets really confusing, okay? <clears throat> you know, we got a chance to talk to Lynn Carroll and, you know, asking different questions and all, all that good stuff. But through, throughout all that, you know, his contention was that they only have the start-finish line. They don't have any loops. It's not their video. It actually belongs to a local cable company who produced it for fans' choice, whatever. <clears throat> okay? So the, the part that gets confusing is they, they say that, you know, he went, you know, strictly by the rule book. Well, we changed engine rules like 47 times yeah. throughout the weekend. It really wasn't that many times. But, I mean, it felt like that. It and was they, only they, 40. Yeah, well, I mean, it was way too many, uh, whatever yeah. it was. Um, but it also, before the race, they actually changed the rule that that you can't, in the NASCAR uh, Wheel and All-American Series rule book, it says that you can't beat the, the uh, lead car to the line. Um, and before the race, they changed that rule. So, so his contention of not being able to change a rule, well, he had done it all weekend. So I don't know why yeah. this one, you know, couldn't have been changed as well. And I get that, you know, it was at the end of the race, and you know, everything played out. But they knew they had a problem when Peyton Sellers got the lead. You know, based on the way they were calling the race, that they the the, the light should have went off, you know, above their head, and they should have said, you know, what, well, we we got to fix this before this becomes a problem even worse as we go. Um, but they didn't, and they chose to stick with, with the rule book and, you know, say that they couldn't change the rule, but, I mean, obviously they did change the rules, so I don't know. Well, yeah, okay. Uh, we're going to take a break. We'll, we'll be back with more of Langley Austin and more trying to solve this jigsaw puzzle that was the Valley Star Credit Union 300, or at least the conclusion of it, yeah. right after this on the Stock Car Show, presented by HMS Motorsport. How to be a great dad in 15 seconds. Bike ride, go fish, walk in the park, phone call, milkshake, play catch, picnic, fly a kite, tell jokes, laugh, talk, read a story, tell a story, bumper car, swing set, bowling, pillow fight, cut loose, stay tight. Because the smallest moments can have the biggest impact on a child's life. Take time to be a dad today. Call 877-4DAD-411 or visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Automotive technicians and auto service trainees, how would you like to work at the beach and perform for one of the best car care centers in the nation? Lewis Meineke is now looking for skilled automotive technicians to join their award-winning team. If you're a gearhead that knows his or her stuff or a young up-and-comer that has the motivation and drive to succeed, then you need to make this call today, 302-827-2054. Lewis Meineke Car Care Center, located in beautiful Lewis, Delaware, offers a highly competitive compensation plan, great benefits, a flexible schedule, and did we mention that you're going to be working at the beach? Plus, there's a signing bonus for the right candidates. Technicians must be ASE certified and have a minimum of six years' experience. Beginners advance at your own pace in one of several entry-level positions. But whatever you do, don't wait. These jobs will go fast. Call Tim at 302-827-2054. That's 302-827-2054. Lewis Meineke Car Care Center. Rev up your career. You hear that? That's the sound of America's only sports car. That's right. It's a Corvette. But not just any Corvette. It's your Corvette. It's that who cares if there's traffic part of your day. And this can be you when you come to Cooper Corvettes. With 60 years of Corvettes to choose from, there's always a Corvette in your budget. And they'll service any Corvette you bring in. Cooper Corvettes on Route 1 just north of Quantico in Triangle. Call, click, or visit coopercorvettes.com. 
how to deal with someone who says that's so gay. Outsmart them. This party is like so gay. Totally. Excuse me, but did you ladies know the word gay used to mean happy or excited? Then it became a word used to describe gay people. Then somehow it came to mean dumb or stupid, which is how you just used it, which is not very nice. Ew, that guy is on the football team and super smart, and he totally hates us now. Totally. When you say that's so gay, do you realize what you say? Knock it off. Learn more at thinkbeforeyouspeak.com. Hi, I'm Tyler Dipple, and you're listening to the Performance Motorsports Network. Now back to the show. Welcome back to the Stock Car Show. If you were watching us on Facebook Live, Jacob Seelman is dippling. Yes, um, yes I is. And we continue with Langley Austin from Race22.com and continue trying to explain the seemingly unexplainable uh, conclusion to this race because um, I, I'm just not too sure. I've never, and I, I've been a race official quite a lot in, in my years, and, and I've been a race director. I've been a flagger. I, I've never had a restart lap count as the last fully completed lap because you you while you while you threw the green and you had a lap complete the caution comes out the last fully completed lap was should have been the lap prior to that restart i would have thought but i guess the nascar late model rule book is written differently than I thought Langley. Yeah, well, and and you and I were talking about this on the break, Tom and Langley. Correct me if I'm wrong here, but I think the the catch to all this is that everybody in their head is thinking we should go back to the last fully completed green flag lap. But the way the entry blank is written, it goes back to the last fully completed lap, regardless of whether that's green, yellow, or restart, what have you. Yeah, I think somebody when they typed up the. Uh the uh, entry form left out the word green and uh, really messed things up. Yeah, so we, we just, I, we, we don't use common sense anymore. We, we, well, yeah, that's the problem. <laughs> you know, I mean, and, and to me, um, it's a short track. I don't care if we got to have 10 green, white checkers. If you finish the doggone race and throw a checkered flag, you don't have this issue. This is exactly why I hate races that don't get a checkered flag, a race to the finish line, <laughs> because this is what happens. Yeah. Can I add to this, by the way, Langley, and, and I want you to explain this, because um, this race for about 10 minutes didn't actually get a checkered flag. They literally drove everybody to turn four, parked them, and we all sat and waited and wondered what the heck was going to happen, as I know all the drivers did too. Yeah, it was a it was a really bad situation because most of the crowd was still there. You know, they wanted to see a good finish, and sure. they were. You know, they may have been told forty seven times on the microphone that they were only going to have three green white checkered finishes, but you know, there was some alcohol consumed, and uh, you know, <laughs> they didn't really know that there'd been three. 
So it was really bad because I was standing on the front straightaway, and in one ear I could listen to MRN over the speakers, and I was watching the screen. And in the other ear I had Lynn Carroll on uh, race control, who's the race director there this weekend. And, you know, he's on there. He's done said the races over three times. They're just trying to figure out the finish, but they've left the cars where they are. And in the meantime, and this is no, you know, slight on MRN, in the meantime, uh, they're not delivering that message to the fans. And uh, it's set up for a really bad scenario because when they came around, everybody thought they were putting, all the fans thought that they were putting, you know, the drivers in their place and getting ready to go for a restart. They stop them right before they get to the line. We sit there another minute or two, and then they roll them, and the checkered flag waves, and the crowd immediately starts booing and hollering. And, I mean, there was a lot of uh, obscenities uh, used there. And the fans were really robbed of, of a good finish. Um, of actually seeing a finish of any kind, um, uh-huh. it was it was a really bad scenario, yeah. And, and and yeah, it was the rule. But I mean, at some point or another, like uh, like Tom said, at some point or another, these these race officials have to say, you know what? I don't care what the rule book says. We've got to exercise some common sense here. If, if this if this you know doesn't make sense, then let's fix it. We have the opportunity to fix it. That's you know our job is to make sure that this yes. goes off right, and we need to do it. And and I will say this: I credit uh, Michael Diaz at Southern National, you know, with being the only guy so far in the last you know couple of years that used any common sense whatsoever to Thanksgiving Classic last year when uh, Matt McCall had his transponder in the wrong place, and you know everybody's calling for him to be disqualified and. You know, the Duke won the race, and and they couldn't pass him. And at the end of the day, that transponder didn't make him faster. So, you know, we have have to use some sense. And in this and in this case, we have to go. You know what? I don't care if the entry blank doesn't say green. <laughs> we say green. You know what I mean? This is going to be the last completed green flag lap, and we're going to go as many times they should have. We're going to go as many times as we need to to get a green flag finish. And if uh, that takes all night, well, we'll just sit here. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, these guys have got to get out of their procedures and, and, and use them when they need to, but you exercise some sort of common sense when it comes to calling a race. And I've been a race director. Trust me, I don't ever want to do that job again. I've had like 47 people tell me on Facebook today that I should officiate the race next year, and uh, I can't repeat my answer on here because <laughs> I don't use very good words because I would not do it. Well... <laughs> But, you know, at the end of the day, you, you talk about using common sense. It doesn't matter what the rules say. I, why don't we just change the rule? Well, I, I, I just don't. Why, why don't we just burn the entire rule book for that race and start over? Well, and see, that was – this is my problem, Langley. It seems like every year and, – and I don't want to dissuade anyone from going to next year's race because – this is an amazing race weekend to go and watch. But from the standpoint of rules enforcement, operation, and consistency with calls, okay, I mean, I don't, you know, look, I don't, I've never personally met Lynn Carroll, um, but I mean, I, I feel like we could do better. I mean, you know, one guy spins another guy, he gets parked. Then another guy spins another guy, and that guy doesn't get parked. You know, yeah. He he. it's like, and you can tell me that it's not favoritism, and I'll believe you, but it's either not favoritism or you're just plain not consistent with your calls because clearly this was the same scenario, and you called it two different ways. And, 
you know, I'm sorry, but, you know, that in, in a race of this caliber with for 25000 to win, it's on Fans Choice TV, not acceptable. You got to do better than that. I, I agree with you wholeheartedly, but I will say, I will say this. I think that Martinsville Speedway does an exceptional job of promoting this event. I think they Absolutely. do an exceptional job of trying to organize this Absolutely. event. And I think it takes a lot of uh, things to make it happen. But I think where they go wrong um, is they come in there with a race director who only race directs once a year. Yep. Yes, he was the NASCAR wheel and All-American Series, you know, top dog for, for years. Fine, whatever, doesn't matter. But you come in with a guy who hasn't race direct all year. Technology is always evolving. Everything's changing, and he's not a part of it. He's right. not a part of it every week. And 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 you know they come in, and and I'll be honest with you, when we're when you know race twenty two sitting in the media center, um, you know the racetrack and the officials and everybody is asking us what, what you know like their entry list. You know Martinsville Speedway, you know works with us to make sure that their entry list is correct yep. and they got all the drivers and everything's right. You know so you know we have a lot of involvement in the race. But then when it comes to the officiating, there's nobody, and I'm not, you know, advocating for any media source to ever be involved in officiating. But what I'm saying is, <laughs> is somebody who officiates every week needs to be the guy who officiates this race. Okay. You know, they need to have mm-hmm. some sort of system where where a guy, you know, that does it at Motor Mile or a guy that from Southern National or Langley Speedway or, or wherever it is, that that's the guy who does it because that's the guy the racers trust and that's the guy the racers know and that's the guy who knows what the technology is today and everything that's changing and everything that's going on. And, you know, maybe, you know, that guy knows, okay, the rules that work here at, say, Langley Speedway or Dominion, you know, they're not going to work at Martinsville. It's just not going to work for us, so let's go ahead and get ahead of this and, and make sure this works. And the procedures, the procedures for Martinsville, you know, should be totally different than they are at, you know, Podunk Speedway. You know what I mean? That's just not, it's not how, you know, this works. And, and the track has the, the availability to use loops. Why are we not using them? Yes, I'm not throwing absolutely. them up to the bus, but, I mean, if you have this technology, let's use it. Right, Let's yes. not just let yep. it sit there. You know, Motor Mile Speedway may not have that technology, so if they don't use it, it's okay. But it's not okay for you to not use it. All right, Langley, speaking of flawed procedures, I got another one for you. And uh, I know oh, this was Lord. a gripe by <laughs> this was a gripe by a lot of people on social media this weekend. Duct taped numbers and the fact that we can't handle duplicate numbers in the system. Every other short track in the country knows how to do it. Well, uh, but to the same token, every other short track isn't Martinsville. <laughs> and every other short track race, doesn't have this many cars and every other short track race doesn't have you know everything that goes on at martinsville so to me and, and this is another area where i'll give martinsville speedway credit you know sometimes you have to do things differently than every other short track does if if you know duplicate numbers is a problem for you your staff your fans your your media whatever the case may be then you need to do it the way that fits you the best and i do think that them making the drivers change the numbers fit their system the best. But I will say this. The problem comes in here. Forever in a day, we made them change numbers, but we made them change numbers there at Martinsville um, based on who was the fastest. Well, 
Last year, we didn't make them change numbers at all. It may have been last year and the year before that. I think they may have had uh, duplicate numbers allowed them to run in the race. Well, the track gets complaints from fans. I don't know who Peyton Sellers is versus, you know, Bubba Pollard because they're the same number. You know, I don't know. I don't know who, you know, whatever. Lee Pulliam and I don't know the difference between Lee Pulliam and Dexter Knight Jr. Fine. Okay. <clears throat> that, that That's great, though. So that system should work best for them. But the problem is, is you got to have an understanding as a racetrack of these guys are spending six hundred, a thousand dollars, fifteen hundred dollars, whatever the number is. I don't even know on on a wrap. So let, let's let's get this taken care of in advance. Mm-hmm. You know, yes, they put it on the entry blank, and yes, it said that numbers and pit stalls would be there, but nowhere else was that ever put out. You know, they could have sent a press release out to everybody. You know, they could have sent out a press release that, you know, the drivers would see that says how the entry blank comes in is exactly how we're doing the numbers. And what we're going to do is when we get a duplicate in, we're going to call that second guy up and we're going to say, uh, Corey Heim, uh, number 78 is already taken. You are going to be number 79 next weekend. Hey, he's got a chance to go get his decals done right. They're going to look professional. And we're going to look like we know what the heck we're doing. When we use duct tape, we look like a bunch of idiots. That's exactly right, Langley. You hit that on the head. See, I hate duplicate numbers at racetracks. Oh, I do too. I think it's totally unacceptable, and I don't care if we don't need to change numbers because we got automatic scoring. I'm a fan. I'm in the grandstand. If you got four number fives, I lose track of who's in which five. So when all you got to do, this was this worked really good in the 1970s, people. When you, when you enter the race, just like you just said, if your number is taken because somebody beat you to it, then they contact you and offer you some alternate choices. You change the number and you have the correct number for that race on your car when you show up at the racetrack. We're done. This is 100%, 100%. not that, rocket exactly science. Be done. I mean, and the thing about it is, is nobody is going to, none of the race, the racers may go, well, dang, man, I didn't get my number this year, but they're not going to complain about it. And there's no reason for any media member to complain about, you know, duct tape numbers if we don't have to have duct tape numbers. Correct. So, and the fans, now this is the one caveat at Martinsville that they really have to work on. And it gets worse every year, and they really need to sit down and start working on it. And that's their scoreboard. Their scoreboard is the most atrocious thing in the history of racing. There is no way for a fan sitting in the stands to know who's in what car, because all, like this year, all they gave you was car numbers. Well, at least they were there, and you could see. But I mean, I can—I I don't mean to be a—I don't mean to be a smartass, and I hope I can say that. But I, it, look. I can look and see who the leader of the dang race is, right. okay? I know what number. I know that the O2 is leading the race, or I know the 88 is leading the race. Hey, you don't have to tell me that on the screen. Tell me his name. You know what I mean? Yeah. And Martinsville used to do a better job of this before they got their new scoreboard, and I realized that they have all kinds of challenges. There, there's, there's all kinds of challenges because they don't have the kind of staff there for this late-mile stock race that they have there for the cup race, and I, I get I, I get that it's an extreme challenge, but that's somewhere where they need to put a point of emphasis for them to make sure that their fans know who's in what car. Yeah. And then there's no, yeah. they don't have these problems. When, when Lee Williams in a six, every fan knows he's in a six because it says it on the scoreboard. 
Right. That's correct. Yeah. It's also, it's also on, you know, whatever, if they have a program or wherever you can find that everybody gets the entry list. It's all correct. Everybody knows. I agree. It's just not rocket science. We overcomplicate things with technology. Well, and this year, and this year they added race monitor, which thank God. Yep. It's, it's about time. They added race monitor in time for the feature this year. And at least the names were on there, right. but I don't, I don't, I don't think that they ever told the fans on their board. They right. may have, and I may have missed. Yep. But I don't think they ever once said, hey, you know, if you're here, you want to know who's in what spot, check out Race Monitor. Or better yet, we have Race Monitor. Why not run that on the scoreboard? Sure. Why not? Well, uh, I mean, it would have been so simple. We, we, we got to step aside. When we come back, we'll have one last segment with Langley about Martinsville here. And uh, we'll do that right after this on the Stock Car Show presented by HMS Motorsport, the leaders in motorsport safety. You can find them on the web at HMSMotorsport.com. Back with more in a minute. Parents, your son or daughter has had their license for a while now, but you want to make sure they're prepared for any situation they may face on the road. High school driver's ed doesn't teach them to drive defensively. They need to be prepared for any highway emergency. For less than a month's insurance, and a whole lot less, BSR instructors at Summit Point Motorsports Park in nearby Summit Point, West Virginia, will teach your son or daughter how to respond instantly and positively to unexpected situations on the road. BSR's specialized accident avoidance training teaches swerve to avoid maneuvers at highway speeds, ocular driving, which focuses driving attention on ways to avoid accidents, vehicle dynamics and feedback, skid control, and skid recovery, threshold braking on straights and progressive braking on curves, and off-road recovery techniques. This is stuff driver's ed simply doesn't teach. So call BSR today, 304-725-8444. Give your kid the skill set needed to drive safely and responsibly on the highway. That's 304-725-8444. You hear that? That's the sound of America's only sports car. That's right. It's a Corvette. But not just any Corvette. It's your Corvette. It's that who cares if there's traffic part of your day. And this can be you when you come to Cooper Corvettes. With 60 years of Corvettes to choose from, there's always a Corvette in your budget. And they'll service any Corvette you bring in. Cooper Corvettes on Route 1 just north of Quantico and Triangle. Call, click, or visit coopercorvettes.com. HMS Motorsport is the leader in motorsport safety. HMS serves the majority of Monster Energy NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, Camping World Truck, IndyCar, and IMSA WeatherTech teams, as well as countless SCCA and club-level racers and driving enthusiasts throughout North America. Featuring world-renowned brands like Schubert Helmets, Schroep Belts, Adidas Suits and Shoes, Lifeline Fire Systems, and even Racecom Radio Kits, HMS has the right product for your type of racing and your budget. Their representatives are experts on only one thing, making your track driving as safe as possible. With locations in Mooresville, North Carolina and Danvers, Massachusetts, the HMS staff is always ready to take the time to help you find the right product for your safety needs. Don't settle for second when it comes to motorsport safety. Stop in to HMS Motorsport. Visit them on their website at hmsmotorsport.com or send them a message on Facebook and tell them the folks from PMN Radio sent you. Hi, this is John Andrasik of Five for Fighting, here for RAD the entertainment industry's voice for road safety. You know, style is a personal thing, and your lifestyle is your business. But if you take it on the road, it becomes everybody's business. So please, plan ahead, designate before you celebrate. Friends, don't let friends drive drunk. 
A public service announcement brought to you by RAD, the National Association of Broadcasters, and the Ad Council. Hi, I'm Cole Custer, and you're listening to the Performance Motorsports Network, the voice of motorsports. Welcome back to the Stock Car Show, presented by HMS Motorsport, the leaders in motorsport safety. We are live on the Performance Motorsports Network, Spreaker, and, of course, here on the Race Chaser Media Facebook page. We do a live video stream of each of our shows on a regular basis. Uh, we are joined by Langley Austin one more time here from Race22.com, continuing to talk about Martinsville so Langley, in, in, at the end of the day, we don't want to deny C.E. Falk his due because in all honesty, as you said in the first segment, you know, C.E.'s been in position to win a number of times and hasn't. And it, it's great to see him get the win. He's been around a long time and certainly earned the opportunity. Um, talk about some drivers that you felt like also had maybe, you know, outstanding or above expected performances in this one? Well, I mean, I think you can start with, you know, Corey Hines, you know. Yeah. Uh, and, and I hate to keep repeating his name, but, I mean, the dude has run three late-mile stock car races, and he's basically won all three of them. And, yeah. You know, still doesn't have a trophy from any of them. I mean, it, it, it's amazing that he's run that good. And, I mean, I'm not – you know, I don't follow him enough in Super and Pro Racing. I don't follow Super and Pro Racing hardly at all. But, you know, he's, I don't think he's that good in that. Um, but, yeah, man, he has been on fire in a late-mile stock course. Sure and he's driving for Lee Williams, so he's got the best of the best equipment that, you know, you can get into. And he, he did a great job. Uh, another guy, you know, Brandon Pierce. Um, you know, Brandon Pierce and Trevor Ward, you know, they finished uh, third and fourth, I believe. And, I mean, you know, Brandon Pierce won a race at South Boston this year, so you know it, his his run's not totally unexpected. But Trevor Ward kind of came out of nowhere. Um, you know, he had been getting better and then kind of declined, and then all of a sudden, the last you know month or so, he won at Ace, and you know he really started to get his stuff together and and did really good. Justin Carroll uh, is another one. Ty Gibbs, you know, overcame his uh, you know he's fastest guy in testing, fastest yep. guy in practice, and uh, you know then blew it in qualifying. And uh, he's been known for, uh, you know, finding a way to get into a wreck, or they found him, one or the other, and uh, he didn't do that this time, and he found a way to finish seventh, and, you know, did a great job. Of course, Chris Van Dyke and uh, Kevin Neal. Uh, Kevin Neal was uh, kind of a Cinderella story. I mean, he uh, he was 50, 60th, you know, somewhere in that neighborhood in, in testing, and uh, went out to, or in practice, rather, and went out to qualify, qualified 25th. Ended up, you know, 22nd once the uh, Nelson guys got tossed out and uh, finished 10th. I mean, an, an amazing run for him. And it was good to see Woody Howard back. Uh, you know, I think he finished 11th or 12th or something. It was good to see him. And Thomas Scott finished 13th. But, I mean, he should have been third based on the way their role is. But, you know, whatever. Um <laughs> Yeah, I, you know, I, I don't want to harp on that, you know, so I don't want to really say anything. But I, and, and I'll say another guy who did a really good job was Trevor Knowles. I know he kind of helped, you know, make that final wreck. But, uh, you know, he did a great job all race. and did a great job last year, too. I mean, he, is, he has uh, outperformed, uh, you know, his Jumpstart Motorsports teammate and, uh, you know, car owner Tommy Lemons Jr. both years. So he's done a great job. I thought that uh, what another driver who did a great job, though he didn't get to finish the race for us to see what might have been, 
was Ryan Millington. I mean, Ryan started Absolutely. deep in the field and got up, I think, to like eighth or ninth before uh, he had a mechanical issue that put him out. Um, you know, Ryan's a kid who, you know, he doesn't have uh, the resources that some other teams, you know, a lot of the top teams have. But, boy, when that kid gets in a race car, and especially at Martinsville, he's taken to Martinsville like a duck to water the last couple of years and so far hasn't had the results to show. But, boy, if he can if he can ever get to a point where he finishes a race, you're liable to see that kid end up contending for a win because he's been fast there both years. Yeah, I would agree with you. And, and, you know, no disrespect to the team that he was driving for this year. But, I mean, up until he got in that car, I thought it was absolute junk. So, I mean, he's really uh, improved their program, you know, all the way around. And uh, I believe they want to race somewhere in that car this year. And uh, I know he won in his I own car. Caraway, otherwise, but, I think somewhere, yeah, or somewhere yeah, like that. Yeah, I believe, yeah. I believe that's right. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, you know, he, uh, he, he is, every time I see him race, he uh, he outperforms what I think what I think he'll be able to do. You know, when he won the race at Caraway at the beginning of this year, I mean, I, if somebody had asked me before the race who was going to win, he wouldn't have been in my list. You know what I mean? Yeah. So he he does a great job. I think uh, I think he is definitely a guy who uh, you know he puts himself in the best position possible with what he has, and if he had more, he'd uh, be even better. So and yeah. and you know. And, you know, you talked earlier about Lane Rick. Lane Rick is another guy who did a fantastic he did. job. And, uh, yep. you know, he uh, he may not want to be the villain, as he told one of our reporters, but uh, he makes a perfect one and did a great job there on the front straightaway, you know, uh, getting the crowd going afterwards and held his own, you know, when Bubba Pollard came over to talk. And, uh, you know, I, I, I got to give a shout-out to him because, I mean, that that's, uh, you know, yes, yes, he, he calls the wreck. But, I mean, I don't think he did anything any more wrong than Peyton did and, and wasn't, uh, you know, uh, penalized. So, exactly. You know, he, he may look like the villain today, but uh, he could have very easily, you know, if he'd have made that pass, he could have very easily won the race. So. Well, again, and I, 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 was, I was putting that out there, as I said, in a satirical manner. That was the yeah. role. He happened, he happened to be the this year's Dylan Bassett, Jacob. Yeah, he did. Now, yeah. I, I Dylan want, wears it proudly, though. Yes, yes. <laughs> I just kind of shook my head where Lane was concerned. Yeah. Uh, and I imagine Scott kind of talked him down after the race. Anyway, uh, Langley, one more person I want to kind of highlight here, and I'm curious your thoughts. Obviously, you haven't seen uh, him do this until Saturday night, but thoughts, even though he got collected in the wreck, Bubba Pollard in his late model stock car debut could have won the race, maybe should have won the race if not for Lane. Well, uh, somebody asked me after the race, uh, Matt Weaver actually from Short Track Scene asked me, he said, uh, he said, was Bubba Pollard as good as advertised? And of course, that was the first time I'd ever actually seen him race in person. And, uh, you know, for him to go from being 50th or 51st in uh, um, testing, 40, 40th first in, in practice, and then qualified, I believe, 29th, and, you know, raced his way up to the front like he did, I, the dude is absolutely. He's pro. I told somebody earlier. He's probably the most methodical, smart racer that I've ever seen in my life. He is. Uh, he is a special, special guy, and uh, I don't think there's any kind of car that you could put him in that he wouldn't find a way to find his way into contention. So, the the dude is awesome, and that whole scene where he walked down uh, to uh, Lane Rick's pit area. 
it looked like, you know, Tiger Woods going to the 18th hole a few weeks ago. I mean, it was just amazing to watch that scene of him walking down there. And, you know, people, late model stock people may have not had any respect for him before this weekend, <laughs> but I'll guarantee you all of them are thinking, especially yeah. the racers, God, I hope you don't show up to any more. Yeah, that's for sure. I, I, uh, I would agree with all of that. And I thought that, I saw the video that was posted of that whole thing, and I whoever that lady media girl was, uh, I, I mean, I'm glad I don't know who she was. I'm not going to obviously call her out on the air except to say this. She shouldn't be doing media anymore after that, uh, the way she handled that question with him, just trying to goad him into a, a, a comment. That was completely inappropriate, but I, I thought that, um, I, I thought Bubba handled himself quite well with Lane and vice versa, so... Another controversial finish at Martinsville, Langley Austin, Race22.com. Thank you for taking some time out of, your, out of your evening to talk racing with us. We love the site. We appreciate uh, what you guys do and the opportunity to uh, talk with you when the situation warrants. Yep, and appreciate you guys having me on and appreciate what you guys do, too. That's Langley Austin. We take a break when we come back our our final segment, usually the lightning round is the controversial one. I think we'll probably have to back off from that tonight. A couple of things to discuss here as we close things out. Stick around. You're listening to the Stock Car Show. We'll be right back after this. When do you think of a plumber? Like most people, even if it's an emergency, you can be confident about who will arrive to help you. For quality and reliability, count on someone you can trust. Call on the plumbing services of Hague Quality Water of Maryland. Plumbing doesn't have to be an emergency. We handle all kinds of preventative maintenance, too. Hague Quality Water of Maryland is family-owned here in Annapolis since 1993. For a refreshing choice, call us at 888-84-WATER or visit us online. Here at Lewis Meineke, we're more than just your average car care center. Hey, it's Dave, your neighbor from Lewis Meineke. Whether you need an oil change, brakes, tires, or anything under the hood, we've got you covered. Take advantage of our free check engine light service as well. Yes, free. And don't forget about our free shuttle service. Never stress, we'll take care of the rest. On with life. Give us a call at Lewis Meineke, 302-827-2054. Every 30 minutes, another innocent person is killed due to a drunk driver. My best friend. My brother. My poor grandchild. My sister. My father. My husband. My mom. <laughs> My mommy. Stop these tragedies before they happen. Don't drink and drive. Do you love the sound of high-revving motors and the smell of burning rubber? Do you want to get your car sideways right at the ragged edge of control? If you've always wanted to try drifting or learn to improve your drifting skills, Summit Point Motorsports Park, the Mid-Atlantic's premier motorsports facility, has the expert instructors and the specialized track to teach you how to drift and the skills necessary to drift competitively. From skid pad to open sessions, Summit Point Motorsports Park has the safe and open environment that allows drifters of all skill levels 
new to intermediate to get sideways and smoking. With a focus on safety and the skill set necessary to drift competitively, Summit Point Motorsports Park's Drift Nirvana is just the thing for you. Call for your reservation today, 304-725-8444. Or for more information, go online, summitpoint-raceway.com, or you can email them at office at bsrinc.com. Drift Nirvana, getting you sideways the right way. If you own a gun, you have a full-time responsibility. When you aren't using it, be sure it can't get into the hands of curious children, troubled teenagers, a thief, or anyone else who might misuse it. Your family, friends, and neighbors are all counting on you. Remember, always lock it up. For more information on firearm storage safety, visit ncpc.org. This message brought to you by the National Crime Prevention Council, the Bureau of Justice Assistance, and the Ag Council. Hi, I'm Brandon McReynolds, and you're listening to Race Talk on the Performance Motorsports Network. Now back to the show. (laughs) That re-entry seems so much more relevant since uh, Brandon went with the walk-off win uh, a few weeks ago at uh, New Hampshire, and, and great to, to see that winning. for him. Yeah, for sure. Welcome back to the Stock Car Show, our final segment for the evening. And we um, are, interestingly enough, we are looking at the lightning round. And normally this is when all of the uh, discussion huh. and debate starts. I think we've had about... 45 minutes of uh, that. About almost an hour of yeah. that about Martinsville. So I want to turn us back to the Roval just for a second. Um, and, it, and and I guess we're going to continue to debate, but hopefully in a little more of a positive direction. I'm going to start with a roundtable question here. We'll, we'll start with Jacob, then go to Cisco on this. And it's quite simply this. Would you like to see the Roval back again? We know it's coming back, but that's not the question. Would you like to see it back again if you had a choice for 19? And if so, what changes or modifications would you make for next year's race? Yes. To answer the first question. Okay. I mean, that slam dunk home run. Uh, there, who wouldn't want to see it back after what we saw, particularly on Sunday? Frankly, CMS did a good job of hunting out the modification, most of the modifications they needed to make before we actually started racing on Saturday. That tire pack on the uh, backstretch chicane, they fixed that before racing, which was really good because that was really scary at times. Honestly, I think the only... The only change that I would potentially make is to try to reword or rescript the rule the the rule having to do with stop and goes with the chicanes and all that. There's got to be a little bit better way to handle that situation and not have to risk a penalty if you don't have a competitive advantage. Jimmy Johnson spun through the chicane and lost way more positions than he should have by virtue of having to come to a complete stop and then cross the line. And it ultimately affected his playoffs. That's really the only thing I would change. Other than that, I think it's great. Uh, We need Steve O'Donnell took care of the other complaint that I had. The Xfinity race needs some more laps. That's coming for next year. 
those two things, I'm good. Bring on the Roval again next year. Cisco. Um, as far as well, yes, I would bring it back, and I also to to go one step further. I agree with what Britton Smith and the rest of the SMI group said, where where we're not going to be bringing this to any other tracks. This is a just a Charlotte thing. Correct. Uh, I, I agree with that. I don't think it's something that needs to be overdone and brought into places where we, you know, I don't want to have five Robles on the schedule is what I'm trying to say. But as far as things I would change, as hilarious as it was, and it was hilarious, not just once, but twice, maybe don't put the track side advertisement box like fold card things on the racetrack next year like it was hilarious don't get me wrong the two times that they ended up stuck to the race cars but let's be clear cisco we do it in imsa all the time and yes. people avoid hitting them yes. then well, well yes because imsa is full of road course drivers well look but, i said it see but that that that's i don't think that was the issue the issue is that there's not enough runoff space so the the drivers at the roval run into that that sign a lot faster because they don't mm -hmm. have a big you wide can't dodge area of runoff. Yeah, yeah, it's impossible. To but it was it. hilarious. I, oh, it was I thought hilarious. it was great to be. They can tone it down next year, guys. I, and I, let's I, be see, clear: Echo One and Bojangles got five times their advertising Absolutely. budget. Absolutely, I see. I don't. I don't know if you need to change a thing. I thought that was funny. Okay, Randy, next. Uh, let's run it at night. I'm kidding. I'm totally kidding. That would, hey, that hey, would be funny. Marcus, Marcus said it was a possibility. Hey, I think I it'd be funny and there. hilarious at the same time. They can do the Daytona, the 24 hours of Daytona at night. Why not run the uh, Roval at night? Um, I think they should maybe lower the turtles a little bit, not not make them six feet high. Uh, <laughs> because, you know, the it's, it's, as cool as the wrecks were, Eric Jones and, and Bubba Wallace could have gotten really hurt. Yes. Um, by how high those cars got up off the ground. Um, other than that, I, the race was awesome. So I don't want to see anything change. Just, just do it. You know. And can we find a different name for them other than turtles? See, the, they do Jake, look like turtles, though. Jacob stole both of my. Well, be, between you and Jacob, my my I, my answer to the question is: Heck yes, I want the Roval back. I want it to be run at night. I think this would be I an amazing be cool. night race. Um, I I I also would like us to to stop calling these things turtles. It it. I mean, it's it's I because I all I think of when I hear turtles is either a shell or teenage mutant ninja, and you know it's unless you're gonna do some sort of a play on that, uh, can we just start calling them rumble strips or something? Uh, I thought they were like stop strips or rumble strips they, or they sausage need, curves. I do or agree like they that. they can lower them a little. Here's what I don't want to happen. Uh huh. What I'm what I'm hopeful doesn't happen is that we don't sterilize this course. How I don't know how you would where, sterilize it. Well, I don't know either. I'm just saying when Marcus Smith talked about little tweaks or things that could, and, and there were a couple of other Blaney, I think talked about that some some tweaks he'd like to see made. Let's not make this too easy because what really worked about this race was that it was it was. Just enough where you could run too wide if you respected each other. But it, it, if you started to get too frisky, something happened. That's what you want. Cisco, you want this to be the ultimate challenge. If you're going to bother to have it, then you want it to be a challenge. And I thought this was a nice blend this year. It, it turned out to be better than I thought. 
but certainly not so good that it ended up being just another road race. Yeah, I agree with that. The only the only thing I think we're going to have to remember going into next year with this, this, in my opinion, is going to be the pinnacle of challenge for the drivers. Because as we talked about for the entire week leading up to this race, we didn't have notes. We didn't know what was going to happen when cars went into turn one. Right. We didn't know all these different things. Now we do. So I think, Tom, you brought an excellent aside and compared this race to one hot night. I have to agree. I don't think, and running at the Roval, it's going to be successful, but I don't think anything's going to match the race that we had. No, but this is, that's also why I'd like to see it go. Now, I, it'll probably take some doing on Charlotte's part, so maybe next year's not the time, but I'd like to see this go. I wish it could go to a night race the second year right off the bat because then you scramble it again and at least it's another year before you start to get, because that's what I don't want. I'm, I'm afraid yeah. that familiarity is going to breed less interesting. And then this thing is going to become, yeah. you know, and, and so, but you're right. Nothing will ever have all the elements that yesterday's race had mm. real quick, Cisco. But I, I just don't want them to make this course too driver friendly. There's, I think three things that would cause a shakeup rain tires. If we had to run on the rain, Blah. I think that would be interesting no. though. Tom, you're dubious no. about that one. Try that on the no. oval. Let's see how that works out for you. <laughs> Night racing. And the other thing, which probably won't happen, but would be possible to at least try. Why don't we run it in reverse? Yeah. <laughs> make him turn, make him turn right. Oh, okay. See what happens there. I wasn't. Okay. That took me a second. I don't know. Jacob, I think for the most part, you know, we can say this weekend was a huge success. I guess the thing for me with this is that it was, you're never going to get exactly what you saw yesterday, No. but I just hope we don't it. First of all, the question was asked when we romalize more tracks. Thank God. Marcus said, no, um, I'm fine if they want to go around the road course at Daytona. In fact, I would love to see the firecracker race run on that road course. Mm -hmm. um, I know that probably that will never happen until somebody else buys NASCAR, but I would love to see that. Uh, not, not a fan of more rovals, though. Correct. I would agree with that. The only other track I think could do it and get away with it is Pocono. Because of the way their well, infield road I may course make is an built, exception for that because that would probably be a far better show yes. than what we get on the oval. But other than that, no, let it be a yeah. Charlotte thing. Dover, let it be a novelty. Try on the old horse racing track if it's still there. <laughs> no, bite your nice Francisco. Okay, final question here. All right, we're going forward. Round of twelve. Give me one driver nobody thinks will drop out of the round or drop uh, who will not advance to the next round. Give me one surprise, Cisco. Uh, is it a surprise to say Ryan Blaney? Uh, probably, I guess. probably not in this field, in this situation, but, but I, I, I still think he's enough of a wild card and, and I, I think Ryan Blaney is going to hang tough here. Randy? As surprising as it may be and considering how he's been performing lately, I say Martin Truex. Well, <laughs> I, I think, I think he got a chance of being right. Uh, but I'm not sure this round, I think round three, Jacob, Clint Boyer. Okay, Jacob and I are on the same wavelength tonight. I don't know that Clint would be a huge surprise, but that's... He's the number th five the, seed. I would the, consider that a surprise. That's the thing that I think about is is I think this is going to be the round where if Clint can get out of this round, 
I think he's got a shot at that point of going to – Especially because we're going back to Martinsville in round three. Yeah, I think he gets a shot to go to the final four, but he's got to get out of this round. I say Clint Boyer, but I'll tell you the other guy that I'm not real optimistic about at this point is – I mean, you know, I I go back and forth on this, but Joey Logano, I just – I know he's got space, but – Golly, Bill, he and Larson, for me, they just, it's like they're really fast, but then they... They whiffle waffle. They whiffle waffle. Yeah, and so... You whiffle waffle it, into the wall. On it, yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> yeah. And, and congratulations to Kyle Larson. Super hu- human was that yes. drive. That car to was To drive apart. to advance, it was destroyed, yeah. and he passed Jeffrey Earnhardt for yeah. 25th. And he got married earlier in the week, too. He did. So that's a really big thing. Yep. Congratulations to Kyle and Caitlin. Uh, that was certainly a big moment for them going into the weekend. And with that, we are going to say thanks to our partners at HMS Motorsport and Telmed Benefits for what they do to make this show possible, as well as Bob Steele and Sue Mason at PMN and Randy Miller behind the glass for punching buttons and making this show possible. For Tom Baker and Cisco Scaramuza, I'm Jacob Seelman reminding you to keep it off the wall, and we might just see you at a racetrack somewhere. Folks, have a safe racing weekend. Good, Good night. You've been listening to the Stock Car Show on the Performance Motorsports Network. Stay tuned to Performance Motorsports Network for more race talk. For the latest motorsports news, visit racechaseronline.com. The Stock Car Show is a copyrighted production of the Performance Motorsports Network. www.performancemotorsportsnetwork.com. A member of the Scorpion Radio Group Incorporated. And may not be rebroadcast, replicated, or saved in any media without the explicit written permission of PMN. Check out our Facebook page or our section on the PMN website. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the host, co-host, and guests, and do not necessarily reflect those of the management and ownership of either the Performance Motorsports Network or Scorpion Radio Group Incorporated, the advertisers, or the marketing partners. Be listening again next week when the Stock Car Show returns on Thursday night at 7 Eastern. Until then, stay tuned for more great motorsports programming on the Performance Motorsports Network.